Hi there. Thanks for joining me on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga and the creator of the Momentum Magic Method, the way to become a confident teacher who seamlessly shares cues and easily creates sequences, whose classes are transformational, not just transactions, who understands anatomy and who shares their passion in a unique and authentic way. On the podcast, you'll hear anatomy lessons, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal growth because having a strong and healthy mindset is such an important piece of being a confident teacher. In addition to the podcast, follow me on Instagram and TikTok for daily videos on teaching topics. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. Hi there. Welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, and this is episode 263. I am recording this on October 21st, 2023, and this, which is a Saturday, this will go live on Monday, October 23rd, 2023, which is kind of interesting because that means Monday will be 10-23-23. That is pretty cool. And today is 10-21, and 21 is my lucky number. So that is interesting also. <clears throat> and today is a really good day because I'm going to see the Taylor Swift um, concert tour movie for the second time today. And if you listen to the last episode, you know that when I went the first time, I was like only one of maybe 20 people because I went the day before the scheduled open date. She had decided at the last minute to open on Thursday. But I did end up on the local news. And that was a funny story I talked about in the last episode because there was hardly anybody in the theater. I was one of the first people there and the local news was there expecting huge crowds. And the manager came in and said, Hey, can you talk to the news? And, uh, so that was my, that was my story from, from last week. But this week when I go today, when I go, I know it's almost sold out because I can see when I ordered the tickets this morning and I'm really looking forward. I hope I don't get COVID. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to um, being in a space, especially with young people. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So I'll tell you how that goes on the next episode. And I also wanted to mention, if you are a Taylor Swift fan, there's an incredible movie. Actually, it's a documentary from 2020 that she released and I just found out about it. It's called The Long Pond Studio Sessions. And it's her and Jack Antonoff and Aaron Dessner, her collaborators. And they are together in her studio in upstate New York. And she's breaking down the lyrics and the creative process for the folklore album. And it's really fascinating. And of course, this is all happening during the height of the COVID pandemic. So when they created that album, they all had to remotely contribute to it. So when they met for the filming of this documentary, it was the first time they were all together in the same room um, performing these songs. And so that is part of it. And then of course it was recorded three years ago. So she was in a different relationship and now she's, as you probably know, in a relationship with Travis Kelsey from the Kansas City Chiefs. Anyway, all of that personal life stuff is, is the backdrop what's really, I think, so impactful is hearing how she creates her music. And the reason <clears throat> I talk about Taylor Swift a lot <clears throat> uh, on this podcast is because she's a great 
avatar slash template for, for you and I as yoga teachers to look at from a study perspective, like studying her body language, studying how she uses her voice as a powerful tool, studying how she uses her words as a way to build connection, studying how she leans in unapologetically to who she is as a person, as a way to stand out and distinguish herself. And I don't even think she actually does it intentionally to do that. I think she just so is so much, um, is so empowered and uh, has uh, just such a comfort level with being herself that in that way of being, she just naturally distinguishes herself. And, you know, as yoga teachers, it, because there are so many yoga teachers, it's so important that it's not even that it's important that we distinguish ourselves. I think it's just sort of baked into the industry that because there are so many teachers, we want, we, I would think each teacher would want to distinguish themselves. But what's more important in my mind is when we show up authentically and use our own words and use our own body language and use our own way of connecting with people that's intrinsically ours. Um, that's when we feel most joy when we teach. That's how we feel most empowered when we teach, you know, so it's not like we're doing it. I, I'm only speaking for myself here. When I, when I lean heavily into being myself, uh, it's not because I'm trying to manipulate the audience. I'm saying audience, uh, manipulate anybody that I'm with, whether it's on an Instagram live or an online class or an in-person class. It's because I'm challenging myself to always push myself to the edges of being as real as I possibly can, despite some of the thoughts in my head that might be saying, oh, don't say that. Oh, don't do that. Oh, you're going to sound silly. Oh, what if they judge you? And I, I just continue to push myself to push through that negative thinking. And it's in that process that for me, I find incredible joy in teaching and other things that I do these days, connecting with teachers in my program, on coaching calls, doing Instagram lives, doing social media posts. And the interesting thing um, along these lines is I actually did one of my, I, I actually did the longest TikTok video I have ever done, 10 minutes, um, last night after I watched the Long Pond Studio Sessions documentary. And I just spoke from the heart and I don't typically post non-yoga content on my TikTok because I really want to stay in that niche and really attract viewers who are yoga teachers. But I was so compelled to create um, a documentation of my experience right after I watched this documentary that I did a 10 minute TikTok. And I did it last night at like 1130. I just spoke from my heart about the video and what impacted me. I, I made a connection to yoga teaching and my work with yoga teachers. And I went to bed and I woke up and it had over 5,000 views and hundreds of comments. And um, obviously the Swifty community on social media is huge. And when you post anything about Taylor Swift, it will get hits. The algorithm will push it out there. But I think um, for me, what it demonstrated was even though in my head, I thought twice about, did I want to post that video? 
I said, fuck it. I'm going to post it because this is the watching this movie was such an out of body inspirational experience for me. And there were so many thoughts that I had that I wanted to share in an effort to maybe reveal to someone else what's possible for them, not only when they watch this documentary, but when they listen to her music. And it's not to color anybody's interpretation of, of their <clears throat> experience of listening to the music. <clears throat> it's just to lend a certain perspective, which is my own, on <clears throat> the lyrics and the creative process and just everything that I was experiencing watching the movie. <clears throat> so, sorry. So that was that. So I woke up this morning and I was like, I don't know, Ben, I don't think this would be considered viral, but um, it's getting a lot of hits. I will say I did post a video when I was sitting as the only person in the theater of the Taylor Swift concert tour movie when I went last week. And I it was just a 15 second video. And I was like, oh my God, guys, I'm sitting here. I'm the only one. What the hell is going on? And that thing got like 20,000 views and 20,000 likes. And uh, that one definitely went viral, but whatever. So uh, I wanted to, to share with you today, you know, I had a conversation earlier this week about, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard the term origin story. And I had a conversation with somebody this week who um, was asking me, what is my origin story? How did I start, um, you know, teaching yoga? And I was thinking about that, especially as it relates to you and me, because I don't know that you've ever heard my origin story. And so I wanted to, to share it with you just so you could have an understanding of how how it is that I dropped into this this world of teaching yoga. And I'm gonna begin uh, the story with with some personal information that i've I've never really shared on the podcast before. So that'll be a little bit of a um, just a reveal. But I think it's important because it does show the the path, the trajectory, the kind of, you know, there's a song Taylor Swift has the invisible string. It does show the invisible string connecting all these different parts in my life. And it really began for me as someone who'd never practiced yoga. And I found myself uh, a few months after I got a divorce laying in a, a yoga room over the ocean in St. Lucia. So at one point in my life from 1994 to 1999, I married a guy that I went to college with and Mike and I had gone to college together. He was from Nebraska and um, we had been friends for a really long time. And then after college, we began to date. And I remember calling my mom and my mom said, you're dating Mike? Mike. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so fast forward, we ended up getting engaged. We got married and we got, actually got married here in Boston and we both went to Boston university. So if you're familiar with BU, we got married at the college, uh, church on campus. So I always think of that when I drive down Com Ave, I passed the church where I was married and 
I won't go into all the details. The marriage didn't work out. It was nothing bad. It was just that we grew apart. And um, we were living in Atlanta at the time of our divorce. And I moved back up to Boston. And shortly thereafter, I decided I needed a, a vacation. So I booked a solo trip to St. Lucia to this exercise like resort very focused on exercise. I think it was called La Sport. I don't even know if it's still there. And I'd never taken a yoga class in my life. And I found myself in this yoga room that was suspended over the ocean. I mean, not suspended, it was on stilts, but it definitely was right on the edge of the ocean. It was on the beach. And I remember laying there in the yoga room in Shavasana and just sobbing just like completely sobbing that this was the state of my life. And um, that was my first introduction to yoga as a practitioner. And when I returned home from that vacation, I shortly thereafter, this was December of 1999, I um, was talking to a friend of mine and he said, I know this really hard workout. Would you like to try it? And I'm going to bring my friend. He is a weight, uh, he's a bodybuilder and he also practices yoga because uh, he uses it as part of his workout and part of his, even when he's doing the, um, you know, like the Arnold Schwarzenegger bodybuilding judging competitions, he integrates yoga into his routine when he's competing as a bodybuilder. And I was thinking, okay, well, I've only done yoga once in my life. All right, fine. I'll go. So me and these two guys, my one friendship, and I can't remember the other guy's name. We went to the Baptiste studio in Cambridge, which at the time, this was 1999, you paid cash or you wrote a personal check, personal check. There was no pre-sign up. There was no Facebook. There was no Instagram. There was no knowing about the class other than if someone told you about it or you lived in the area. And there was a line, like you would go and there was a line to get in because it was really popular. And at the time, 1999, there were not a lot of yoga studios around. So I went and took this class, my friend Quayley, my friend, not then, but, you know, because I got to know her over the years and teach with her. Uh, she was teaching the class. And I remember um, just like marveling at how skillfully she led us through the practice. And I remember thinking, you know, cause at that point I was working a corporate job, but I had originally started out thinking I wanted to be a physical therapist. And so I had gone to BU in the PT program. I switched out after two and a half years. Cause I didn't think I wanted to be a PT at that point. I got my undergrad in rehab counseling and I began to work initially as a rehab counselor in a, a rehab hospital. And then fast forward a couple of years, I ended up working in a corporate healthcare uh, consulting firm. And so at that point, I was very ensconced in corporate consulting on the healthcare side of things. I was making over $100,000 a year. I had a really good life. I had bought a house. Um, with a little bit of money I got from the divorce and my own money. And, uh, and I, you know, there I was at this class and I had this experience of, oh my God, this yoga <laughs> is just such a beautiful amalgam of all these things I love 
about movement and exercise for me and thinking I wanted to be a physical therapist and, and then working as a rehab counselor and a social worker and working with the whole mind, body, spirit of somebody like, wow, this is like really a thing that it's all in this one package of yoga. And so that began going to yoga classes and, and eventually going to a teacher training in 2002. And again, no internet. I mean, no, there was internet, but no Facebook, none of that. Like you found out about the teacher training because it was a poster on the wall in the studio. And so I went to that teacher training in 2002 with Baron, and that that very much sealed the deal for me that I knew I wanted to be a teacher. And I remember on the way home from, and this was in Tulum, Mexico. And I remember on the way home, one of the teachers, Elizabeth, who was assisting Baron at the event, she also lived in Massachusetts. And she came back on the plane with me and several other teachers. Um, and I remember we were, in the connecting flight thing from landing, I don't know, maybe we had to connect in New York to get to Boston from Mexico, from Cancun. And I remember sitting and waiting for our connecting flight and seeing her, we were all sitting on the floor doing whatever, waiting for the flight to take off. And she had her day timer open. And I could see like all the things in her day timer that had to do with like appointments. I mean, I couldn't really see it, but I was sort of imagining like, here's this person. I just spent a week with her. She was assisting Baron. I know now that I want to be a teacher more than anything else. And she's now living that life. And I was sort of seeing her with her daytimer open on the floor. And I was admiring her like, this is the life that I want. And so I went home and that was the beginning of me crafting a plan to get out of my corporate lifestyle and into a teaching job for Baron. And so what I did was over a 12 month period, I think it took just about 12 months. I started saving money. I, you know, just really ensconced myself in uh, practicing. Um, I ended up taking uh, another teacher training with Baron. This was in, um, not Colorado, this was in Montana. Uh, this was even before Yoga Alliance existed. <laughs> So we were just following the path that he was laying out for us. And I ended up getting hired to work for him uh, at the studio on Columbus Avenue, Boston, which at the time was now the second studio. The Cambridge was still there and the Columbus Ave was next. And when I got that Columbus Ave teaching gig working for him, that was my sign that I needed to quit my job. So I had saved up enough money. I was actually going to do a little bit of personal chef work on the side until I envisioned me building up my, my class schedule enough that I didn't need to do the personal chef stuff anymore. So I quit my $100,000 a year plus job and I immediately went to like not making hardly, I, I mean, I just, my I just was not making a lot of money. And I was 100% on my own um, as a yoga teacher slash, slash entrepreneur. I was running a personal chef business. I had a number of clients. I was teaching yoga for Baron, and I was really trying to do all the right things. So I got on the schedule more and more so that I envisioned I could teach for him full time. And that would create enough opportunities for me 
where I would uh, not have to personal chef anymore. And I would actually have a sustainable business as a yoga teacher, a sustainable lifestyle as a yoga teacher. And what I found, <laughs> what I found in reality is that that was impossible for me. And after a number of years, probably about a year and a half or so of doing that, and depending on a personal loan that I had taken out to supplement, because my savings eventually went away. I was needing to pull from my savings to supplement um, the, the income I was earning, teaching and personal chefing, but it wasn't enough to cover my bills. I was living in a condo at the time that I owned and, um, you know, lifestyle stuff. And so... And the other thing I had done is I had sold my house and that was at the time, the real estate market was really good. So I had sold my house that I bought with uh, some of the money I got in the divorce and moved closer to the studio. So I moved from one part of Boston, West Roxbury to another part of Boston, Charlestown. I was closer to the studio. I made 50 K off the sale of the house. And that was money that was supplementing my teaching income and my chefing income with the expectation that I would get more classes on the schedule, I'd make enough money that I wouldn't need to chef anymore. And my financial plan was that the 50K would run out just in time that my schedule beefed up and I could drop the personal chefing. And then I would be living the life that I wanted as a full-time yoga teacher. And after about a year and a half of doing what I was doing, the 50K ran out. I took out a personal loan that started to accrue the debt and I'll never forget, there just came a day where I was standing in the condo and I was talking to my mom and dad on the phone. And my dad was just like, Karen, you're at the end of the road here. You need to go back to a corporate job because you're just, I mean, I had built up $30,000 of debt. And um, I was just, I felt like such a failure and I was crying and I was so it wasn't even disappointed. Disappointed isn't a core feeling. I was just, and it's not that I was ashamed. I was just so sad and, and almost angry in a way. And part of the reason I was angry is because I was doing what I thought was all the right stuff. And yet it wasn't yielding the result I wanted. I wasn't making enough money. I wasn't on the schedule more. I wasn't able to create the lifestyle I wanted. And I knew in my heart, that I was in my Dharma. I knew teaching yoga was my fucking mission on this planet. And so kicking and screaming, I went back to work. I called my old boss who was CEO of a company I had worked for. And he said, I'll never forget. He said, when he picked up the phone, he goes, so you're ready to, to drop that yoga thing? And I said, not really. I'm going to teach part-time, but do you, do you need any help? Can I come back? And uh, he said, sure. And, and I, uh, here's another thing I'll never forget. I went out and I had to buy like real work clothes, which I didn't have any at that point. So I remember I went to, uh, I can't remember the name of the store in some mall in Boston. And I bought a whole bunch of stuff and a purse and blah, blah, blah. And I went back to work and I taught on the side and it got to be at this point, it was close to I'm getting mixed up on the years, but it was right around the time that the economy was really struggling. And I don't, it wasn't the dot-com bust of 
2000. That was too early. It was it was around 2008, and the economy was really really struggling. And it was around a time when a lot of companies were laying off people all at once, and just things really quickly started to go downhill. And I was teaching at a studio up the street from me in Charlestown, Charlestown Yoga. And again, I will never forget this. I was walking home from teaching and a student was walking home kind of around the same time. And she said to me, you know, I just got laid off from my job and I can't afford to go to your class anymore because I, I can't afford yoga classes. And in that moment, I had this light bulb go off in my head. What if I could offer classes really, really inexpensively as a way to meet the moment of people needing to drop their memberships and all of their gym and yoga memberships because they had lost their jobs. So I went home that night and I called a friend of mine, Cedric, and he's in real estate in Boston. And I said, do you know of any space that I can use to teach yoga. And he knew of a gas station that had been renovated and they were using it as an art gallery a couple times a week, but it was vacant all these other times. And I went to this, literally this gas station, but they had painted it over and it was really kind of kitschy. It was really kind of cool looking. It reminded me of, you know, back in the day when MTV would show the Janet Jackson videos from, um, I forget the name of the album, but she had all that, all those cool dancing videos. She was in like the military gear. And that's what it reminded me of. The, the physical space reminded me of where they would film a Janet Jackson video from that album. And I was like, this is perfect. And so I, I set up the space just with like a little changing area, a front desk area, which the front desk area was literally where you would go in and pay for your gas. Like that was what it looked like, but the place was really clean. They had done a nice job of cleaning it out and they were using it as an art gallery too. So it was clean. And I started just guerrilla marketing, just publicizing that I was there. And I came up with the name bare bones yoga because I loved teaching functional movement with an emphasis on anatomy-based cueing. But I also called it bare bones yoga because when students came, it was bare bones services. They would get the class, but they had to bring their own mats, bring their own towel and water. There were no services from a studio standpoint. And it was kind of like the who's in Whoville. I had a sign and people just started coming. And that was the genesis of my brand, Bare Bones Yoga. And I kept teaching there for several months. And I had a couple times a week, or maybe it was just Saturdays, I can't remember, that I would teach. And there were a good handful of people that would come. And it was in the Fenway neighborhood, so right behind Fenway Park. And the local community people, they saw what, saw what I was doing. So they would refer people over and, and they really liked it. And at that point, there were no yoga studios in the Fenway part of Boston. And eventually what happened was the, the art gallery and the person who owned the space needed to use it more. So I got kicked out, but I kept the name Bare Bones Yoga. And I said to myself, you know, this is a way for me to develop my own brand. And this is what was missing from my first attempt to create a sustainable business as a yoga teacher 
because I had connected myself to someone else because yes, he was my first teacher, but I also thought it was a smart business decision because I could sort of ride on his coattails. You know, he was really successful. So therefore I assumed I would get opportunities by being connected to him. And I had seen a lot of my colleagues would, you know, get asked to teach in certain, teach at certain yoga journal events or, you know, do certain things um, with him. And, you know, so I was sort of seeing that and I was sort of modeling in my head that that would be possible for me. And yet it wasn't happening. And so when this whole bare bones yoga, uh, when I created this whole bare bones yoga brand, and then I stopped having the physical space to be bare bones yoga, I, I thought this, this is it this is the way I can develop my own brand and distinguish myself, which again, invisible string, you see how it just all connects to the first story I told you, like about distinguishing yourself and doing it from a place of pushing yourself to be authentic. Like this is exactly, you know, what is apparent in this story to me, maybe to you, uh, and even prior to me telling you the story, I didn't really even make that connection until right now. And that's, again, why hindsight is so powerful. We can look back on our life and we can see how so many things that happen have been connected by this invisible string, but we're not aware of it at the moment. So I was still working part-time and I just began, I'm sorry, I was still working full-time and I was still teaching in a gym and I think I might've, oh, and I was teaching at Charlestown Yoga. So I just started developing more branding collateral for Bare Bones Yoga. I had been create a logo. I got a website. Um, and at that point, I started to really go out and market myself as my own entity, my own yoga teacher with my own brand. And I started to look for opportunities to teach in nonprofits, to teach kids, to, to, um, I created a women's wellness group. I basically created a number of different sort of business verticals, teaching children, teaching in the community, teaching in studios, teaching in gyms. And slowly, but surely I began to build up enough, uh, enough things that I could leave my job again. So I did. And when I did that, I never looked back. And that was back in like 2010. And actually, now that I'm remembering the chronology of events, what was happening is the company I had gone back to work for, they also, I mean, all these companies were laying people off at this time, 2008, 2009, 2010. And my company was doing uh, layoffs and I kept surviving like layoff. Number one, they didn't lay me off layoff round. Number two, I survived round number three. I think I made it through like five rounds of layoffs. And then eventually after like two or three months of so many of my colleagues getting laid off, they came for me. <laughs> and I remember that night or that day, my, my boss, Walter called me into his office and, you know, gave me the typical, we're eliminating your position. It's not about you. We're just downsizing, blah, blah, blah. And I remember that night I was teaching my first 
women's wellness group. And this was something I'd created in my community of Charlestown. I was teaching it in my home and it was the first session. And there were going to be a number of women who had signed up and they were going to come to my condo. And I was going to take them through a two hour class where it was a little bit of meditation, a little bit of yoga. I had uh, a couple of topics for discussion. I was going to make them tea. We were going to sit around after the yoga class and I was going to facilitate just kind of a wellness topic conversation. And I remember I got the proverbial cardboard box, got everything off my desk, went out to my car, sat in my car, called my mom and said, mom, I've just been laid off. And in like three hours, I have to lead this women's wellness group, this first session. And you know what? This is perfect because I don't even care that I got laid off from this job because I've spent you know, the past X number of months building my brand. And this is exactly what I needed to push me into really developing my brand as a business. And so I went home that night and I taught that first women's wellness group. It was a hit. They loved it. And for many months after that, I continued to run that group. And I think it eventually petered out. I don't remember exactly why, but the women that came to that weekly class they loved it. One woman came in one night and she closed the door to my, to my condo. And she said, I just left my husband supervising the kids in the bath. And I said, good luck, have fun. I'm going to my women's wellness group. Goodbye. You know, the women in the community, they just felt so nurtured and supported by coming to my condo. And they all lived in the neighborhoods. They were just walking there. And they felt like this was such an investment in their health and themselves that um, it was just a hit. And I absolutely loved teaching it. And I loved that I created it. And I loved that it was something I was inspired to do and I could be of service in my own unique way. And so that really, you know, took me to a point where I knew I could continue to build my business. And that really is the never looking back moment. You know, when I got laid off from that job, it was just the kick in the pants I needed to go all in in developing my own brand, my own identity. I had no ties anymore to the Baptiste yoga community. I, I wasn't teaching there at all and I had no desire to do it because I really wanted to stand out on my own. And so that takes you through my origin story, how I found yoga and my brand story, how I developed my brand. And I wanted to share that with you, number one, so that you can understand a little bit of my background as we cross paths and talk on the phone or meet on, um, you know, if you come to my online yoga class, if you enroll in my program, if you're already enrolled in my program, you know, just to give you some of that background so you know me a little bit more. And also, you know, if there are some parts of that that inspire you or give you ideas um, to help you develop and things that you want to do. I mean, I didn't even mention in the course of all of that, I also wrote my first book. And I don't even know if I've told you I have a book. I have two books out actually on Amazon self-published books. And one of them, the first one is called Stretched, Build Your Yoga Business, Grow Your Teaching Techniques. And I wrote that book when I was well past my Baptiste days and very much in, in my own brand uh, you know, development. 
And I wanted to write a book about the business side of teaching. And it was inspired by this experience I'm sharing with you, especially the part about building up $30,000 worth of debt, which I did eventually pay off. When I went back and worked corporate, I paid that off. Um, and so the book goes into a lot of the lessons I learned and a lot of tips, not even tips, a lot of strategies for you as a yoga teacher around business, developing your own brand, your own business. So that's out there if you want to buy that on Amazon. And then the second book I wrote, I wrote uh, somewhat recently. I probably wrote it about three or four years ago. And that book is called um, Structure and Spirit. And that's more of a teaching uh, book, more with strategies around teaching and fundamentals and principles uh, around teaching. And it has a lot of pictures in it because it's uh, referring a lot to the anatomy of the practice. So you can get both those books on my website. You can also get them on Amazon. Um, but, you know, as you listen to this, if there are things that came up for you that you want to find out more about doing for yourself, send me a DM on Instagram. Let me know that you listened to this episode and what inspired you to contact me? What sort of thing do you want to develop more? Uh, and I'm happy to help you with that. So that wraps up this week's episode. <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed this. Uh, you know, it's always a little weird because I'm sharing this in a one-sided way because you're not here with me. So I can't, you know, hear, hear any questions that you have or thoughts, but I welcome them. Of course, you can send them on Instagram. And um, if you want to, if you're on listening to this on Apple and you want to write a review, I never ask for reviews, but if you want to write a review for the podcast, that would be great. Um, but more importantly, I just like to connect with you. So feel free to send me a DM. I'm on uh, Instagram as bare bones yoga. And I hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode and finding out a little bit more about me. And if anything in my story inspires you as something you might like to, to do, just let me know. And I'm happy to help you. Uh, I hope to connect with you again on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. Namaste. Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. And as a special thanks, DM me the words podcast offer, and I'll share with you a special opportunity for yoga teachers who are ready to be confident and skilled and drop all the prep time you most likely are doing, getting ready for class, drop practicing with class, and instead do what I call the walk and talk drop using the same cues over and over, and drop worrying what other people think. If this is you and you're ready to step into your most powerful, authentic way of teaching, just DM me the words podcast offer on my Instagram, and I'll tell you how I can help you.